Welcome to Women's Leadership Success, episode number 126. Today we unlock the secrets to career success and personal fulfillment through the power of leadership soft skills and brand development. I'm your host, Sabrina Brahm, and in the next 60 seconds, I'll give you a sneak preview into our insightful, tip-filled conversation. Have you ever wondered how mastering leadership soft skills can transform your career and brand? In this episode, we will dive deep into the art of self-awareness and other soft skills essential to build a successful, fulfilling career. Here's the bottom line. You can have all the technical expertise in the world, but if you can't sell yourself and your ideas, get along with others, or brand yourself as a leader, you'll be going nowhere fast. We will discuss strategies for handling criticism and seeking feedback, all vital aspects of leadership development, and will reveal the secrets of building a strong brand through effective communication and staying visible, even in a remote world. Are you ready to embark on your personal and professional transformational journey? Join us today to unleash the power of leadership soft skills for your brand development success. Welcome to Women's Leadership Podcast, showing you how to influence people, improve your performance, and advance your career. Brought to you by women's leadership and career expert Sabrina Brom and womensleadershipsuccess.com. Here's your chance to meet women trendsetters leading the way to success, accomplishment, and balance in business and life. No matter if you're a manager, CEO, or entrepreneur, join Sabrina for coaching and no-nonsense advice to improve your career and bottom line. This is Women's Leadership Success, and today I'm so excited to, to talk to Peggy Klaus. She's one of the most celebrated and sought-after coaches, speakers, and authors in the United States. Beginning her career on stage, Peggy parlayed her background as an actor and classical singer, as well as her work in Hollywood as a producer, director, and talent coach into a sought-after and renowned communications and leadership expert. For nearly three decades, she has helped thousands of professionals from C-suite leaders to first-line managers thrive in their careers. Her programs for empowering women of all ages are globally recognized for their life-changing results. She is the author of two best-selling books, Brag, The Art of Tooting Your Own Horn Without Blowing It, and The Hard Truth About Soft Skills, Workplace Lessons Smart People Wish They Had Learned Sooner. A true trailblazer, Peggy has shared her wisdom in academia through guest lectures at Harvard's Kennedy School and School of Public Health, Wharton's Executive MBA program, UC Berkeley's Haas School of Business, and the Public Policy Institute of Georgetown University. Peggy has been honored with the prestigious Coach of the Year Award in 2016, for her exceptional experience and groundbreaking work. She has been featured in the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, Fortune Magazine, Fast Company, 
and Harvard Business Review. Welcome, Peggy. Oh, Sabrina, it's wonderful to be with you. Thank you. So there is so much information, and it's one of the challenges I had was figuring out which question to ask you because you have so much to share. So we're only going to be able to cover a little bit of it, but I'm so thrilled you're here with us. And I wondered if you would start with soft skills and why they're often ignored and what kind of impact that has on people's careers. Well, Sabrina, let's first set the stage about what soft skills are. Right. And they encompass the personal, social, communication, and self-management behaviors, mm-hmm. which cover a wide range of abilities and traits. I won't even be able to mention them all on this podcast, but let's start with self-awareness, one's attitude, adaptability, resiliency, confidence, risk-taking, critical thinking, and as I said, a host of many others. Mm-hmm. And I think that why they for so long were ignored until really just recently is because our culture placed such a much higher value on the hard skills, meaning the technical skills and the knowledge that we had to have to do the jobs. So soft skills were considered warm and fuzzy, a nice to have rather than a must have. But now, decades later, when we realize that our success truly depends on those soft skills, society finally gets the importance of them. And you ask about the impact I have found as I coach and train, you know, from as the C-suite on down is that careers are stalled and or derailed with a lack of soft skills. So one will not get stretch assignments or promotions or titles or bonuses. Um, I see professionals getting bored, burnout, or stuck in a rut and not being as productive or as enthusiastic as they really should be and could be. And Let's see, what else? I think often people will choose things that that they don't really like or aren't good at because it was expected of them. You know, perhaps mom and dad said, oh, well, you should be a doctor or a lawyer. This is what we expect. And the individual hasn't thought enough about what kinds of things they like, dislike, which talents and interests they want to incorporate into their life that make them really fulfilled. You know, in short, I I call it they really haven't taken an inventory of competencies, gaps, achievements, and their temperament. Mm -hmm. So uh, that goes right into uh, the next question about why is uh, knowing yourself so important for your job? Well, you have to start with you because you are the engine that drives who you are, what you do, what you think, what you feel, and what you eventually end up doing. And if you don't know what runs you, then you are controlled 
or at the mercy of unexplored feelings and thoughts that result in behaviors that will affect your life. Mm -hmm. So what I what I'm hearing you say is that it's really important to not only be talented in your job, but that you need to know if that thing that you've been working on is something you really like doing and if it's something that you feel passionate about and, and good about. Absolutely. And I think one of the top soft skills that I work with people on is finding that passion for them. Because I find that without that passion, without your values in the job that you have, um, you can be very unfulfilled and unhappy. I agree. And I just read a study actually this morning that was saying that doctors have medical doctors have a really high rate of burnout and that doctors that spend 20% of their time doing something that they feel good or passionate about in the medical field don't have burnout. That just 20% of really being excited about what you're doing can make such a difference. Wow, that's a great new stat. Yeah, so that it really does help. Mm -hmm. What do you mean by to be good? You have to be lucky. Can you help me? What what does that mean? <laughs> That's one of my favorite things that a friend imparted to me as I was uh, writing the book. <clears throat> I'm going to put it this way, Sabrina. Magical thinking is neither a soft or a hard skill. <laughs> It's simply thinking that things are going to magically happen to you because you want them to or you will will them to. You know, um, how long have I been in the workplace? I don't know, almost um, a long time, many decades. And what I've seen in my own career and in others that um, one cannot wish one's career to be successful. You have to work damn hard at it. And success comes from self-awareness, a positive attitude, a plan for success, resilience, the willingness and ability to learn new things and polishing the skills that you already have. It's keeping open to new possibilities and people who might just present you with, and I'm going to put this in air quotes, that lucky break. So you have to have all those in your camp in order to be lucky. So I just have to laugh when, you know, people would say, um, you know, I'd say, oh my gosh, you have such an incredible career. And they say, oh, I was just lucky. I said, no, no, you weren't just lucky. You worked really hard for that. So own it. Yeah, I love that. And, and well, I'm an executive coach too. And I'm really big on listening. But I loved your take on the important parts of listening. And you share some things that people don't normally think of about what really is going to help you to move your career to Make your best impression. What kind of listening do you need to do? Mm. Well, 
I I hope I'm going to hit some of those that you really liked, but um, to tell me if I <laughs> if I don't, Sabrina, okay. um, I truly believe that listening, doing it, and putting your whole head and heart into this activity is absolutely critical. It's not a passive activity. It's very, very active. It requires your full attention, being very present, focusing on this speaker, avoid interrupting, talking over them, and turning the conversation back to you and what you want to say. And I'm just going to add a little something there because I'm very interested in what I see as a almost pandemic of narcissism in our society and the need for people to constantly talk about themselves without listening. Um, So in addition, listening for the whole meaning of what someone is saying, listening for also the subtext, what they may not be saying, observing nonverbal cues such as body language, posture, facial expressions, and not allowing your judgments or hot buttons to click off your listening. That's that's really it's it's great. And I I have another statistic for you because I I just it's not a brand new study, but I just heard this that they asked people, would you rather have a raise or get your boss fired? And the percentage of people that said they would rather get their boss fired was 65 percent. And another uh, thing that I've been doing a lot of work on is how teams work. And when teams are not successful, it's usually because the team leader is not trusted or people don't like them. And, you know, when you're talking right now, I'm wondering, I wonder how much this has to do with bosses or team leaders not listening to what people are saying. Yes, I absolutely agree. And I don't have a stat on that. Maybe you can come up with something and let me know. I I would be glad to. (laughs) I would love that. I would love that, Sabrina. Yes, not being listened to, not being seen, not having feedback considered, and not having the boss explain why she or he made a decision contrary to what you have suggested is all part and parcel of that relationship and why it often goes so sour. Right. So the higher up you go, the more important it is that you really put on that hat where you're listening and hearing the other person's point of view and what they have to say. Right. And not just perfunctorily. You know, if I had a dollar for every time I hear someone get feedback and they go, yeah, 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 yeah. I know immediately they're not listening. And if I'm allowed to, I'll say stop right there. 
Did you see what you just did? You just shut them down. You didn't really take it in and respond to it. And it really does take practice to do that. It's not something that most of us, at least I didn't have anybody listening to me when I was growing up. And I think a lot of us were raised or in situations where we weren't listened to or we were around narcissistic people. And learning how to just do that, you know, um, for me, I've had to learn to take a breath before I'm going to respond. I just I'll, I'll just take a breath and just give a second before I have a response. And what I found is if I don't respond right away, usually I get a heck of a lot more information from the other person. There's actually more they wanted to tell me that I didn't realize I was actually interrupting. Right. And I find this really important when receiving critical feedback. If you pause, take a deep breath, and then stay curious. These are prompts I give myself and my clients. And by staying curious, I encourage them to say, tell me more, or could you please be more specific because I don't understand and I want to change my behavior, but I can't do that unless I understand the specifics of what you're saying. Yeah. So I was going to ask you how you handle critics, but that's, that's part of it, isn't it? To just get that. I think another thing that is very helpful is you can either be in your body or you can be like a fly on the wall watching something. And the minute the minute I'm going to get a lot of crit- criticism or criticism, I find if I stay in my body, I'm going to have reactions like, oh, I got punched in the gut. Oh, that feels so awful. But if I pretend I'm watching a movie and I'm over here watching it, then I can go ahead and respond in a, a calmer way. And, and it helps me to remember it's not... It isn't necessarily true what Mm. they're saying. It could be, but maybe it isn't. It's just their opinion. And in order to be more objective about it, I need to not take it so personally. Right. And that's a big one also for women, Sabrina. Don't take it personally. Right. Yeah. Yeah, we really take it to heart, and then we block out everything else that is said. In fact, there was one person I vehemently disagreed with who was a consultant, and he said, you know, Peggy, what you really need to do when you give feedback is to give four to one, four good things to one bad thing. I said, I uh, respectfully I completely disagree because I know that when I observe people doing that, that the listener is waiting for the shoe to drop and they know it's going to drop. And it feels very artificial to me. Yeah, that makes that makes a, a lot of sense. Hello, dear friends and fellow Women's Leadership Success podcast followers. It's Sabrina here, 
and I'm reaching out with an opportunity close to my heart, the Impact Executive Leadership Mastermind. You've been with me on this incredible journey through the podcast, and now I'd like to invite you to take the next step with me. Imagine being part of an exclusive community of like-minded, accomplished executives, your personal board of directors, where we encourage trust, transparency, and psychological safety. In this mastermind, you'll uncover your true passions, exchange transformative ideas with high achievers, learn to speak up with self-confidence, and engage in continuous learning. Your influence and job satisfaction will soar to new heights. But this isn't just about us. It's also about giving back. As a member, you'll contribute to the future of leadership through giving back sessions for tomorrow's leaders. As a token of appreciation for your podcast support, as one of our founding members, you'll have access to over 3,000 in additional leadership and career development resources, plus invaluable networking and direct exchanges with your fellow Mastermind members. Let's make this journey together. Don't hesitate. This is your chance to elevate your leadership, enrich your career, and continue our shared mission of empowering leaders. Connect and contact me, Sabrina Brom, Executive Coach, on LinkedIn to schedule a chat to see if our Impact Executive Leadership Mastermind is a good fit for you now. And be sure to let me know if you're a subscriber for a special additional bonus. Together we'll create a future where your success and fellow Mastermind members knows no bounds. So I want to ask you, how, how do you discover other people's opinions of you and your work? And this comes up a lot. I have people calling me and they're saying, I'm not getting promoted. Uh, they're just, you know, they're ignoring me. I'm not getting the, the plum assignments. And I'll say, well, what, what do they say about that? And people say, well, I've never asked anybody. So what what helps people to have the guts to say, hey, Peggy, uh, can you give me your opinion of me? What What's helpful for that? I give them the prompt, if you don't ask, you don't get. Uh-huh. And then I ask them, what's the payoff for you not asking? Because what I find often that the payoff is that they don't want to be told something they don't want to hear, i.e., your work isn't up to snuff, you're not ready, I've asked you to correct this behavior and you haven't done it. So they don't want to know. So I think they must really self-reflect and ask themselves, you know, why don't I want to know this? What's the payoff for that? And then take courage, feel the fear, do it anyway, and go ahead and ask them to give you specific positive as well as critical feedback, what I call the pluses and the deltas, on everything from your uh, project that you're working on to your communication, your personality, your leadership, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. And ask them right out. You know, I, I've i been mentioning for 
two years that I would like different assignments or promotion. Can you tell me what specifically um, I'm doing, not doing that prohibits that? And moreover, what can I do in the future to make that happen? Um, I would also encourage people to check in periodically to see how their boss is feeling about their work. Certainly comes up in performance reviews, so it should be very well prepared. Uh, Don't just wing it. So those are the things that I would suggest. That that makes a lot of sense. And when someone is in the hot seat and they feel like they're going to lose their cool, um, what what tips do you have for grounding or being okay? Well, it's a really difficult situation. So when I'm in a difficult confrontational conversation, I pause. Um, yeah, I pause for as long as I need to. I breathe very deeply. And I ask myself, how is the best way that I can show up in this interaction? Right? Because sometimes I just want to punch their lights out, Uh (laughs) which isn't very compassionate or empathic. Um, And I will go through in my mind. And ask myself, what's their emotional temperature? In other words, what are the thoughts and feelings that they have right now? I ask myself, what are they really upset about? And I think, what's the subtext? What is not spoken? And um, I, as I said before, stay curious and ask questions while also giving voice to what I'm observing in their behavior and in the room. So I might say, you know, I'm I'm noticing and I'm really aware that the temperature in the room has ramped up. And um, I want to really find out what it is that's really upsetting you. And then if things get too hot, I suggest taking a break and reconvening. Yeah, it's a I it's a great idea. I think that's a great idea. Yeah. So I'm excited to ask this question, which is what's the best way to keep improving your brand? And asked that a lot lately, Sabrina. Uh, that's that's a really interesting thing. I don't know what's going on in the zeitgeist. Um, <laughs> well, what what does that mean, actually? What is my brand? What what is it that I'm trying to improve here? Well, I look at brand as the how your audience, regardless of who that is, yeah 
sees and feels you in their head and the heart. So when people's, if I would do a survey, who is Sabrina, right? How do you see Sabrina? A lot of words, nouns, adjectives, adverbs would come up. Mm -hmm. And from there, you could start creating your brand and how then you want to take it to market and be seen. And, um, you know, I got to do this early on in my career when I was working with performers and broadcast news, you know, people and anchors. And and um, it was about finding out what was unique and special about them. And then strengthening that and bringing that to market. And that's exactly what I do with my clients. So in answer to your question, the best way I think to keep improving your brand is to make sure that your brand is still on target, that it still fits. So I suggest doing um, a self-scan. What is your brand now? What still fits? What do you like about it? And then what no longer fits and you don't like? Um, You can do that by describing yourself now, getting people to tell you how they see you. And then once you've got all that data, you can then figure out how to change it. What you need to, you know, let go of, what you want to add to your brand, and then marketing your brand, making it visible to those who need to know you. And um, you do that through uh, what you call bragging. Is that? Oh, well, certainly. Um that is a way to let people know about who you are and your value and your successes and obstacles you've overcome. Um, but I would go back a little because I have something called a brag bag. Uh-huh. And that's in my book. And I suggest that everybody starts creating a folder on their computer that lists all of the um, achievements, nice things that people have said about you from your clients, your customers, your colleagues. Um, Again, your, you know, your accomplishments, your achievements, your successes, and you, you know, write them on a weekly basis. So you have a, what I call this brag bag. And, um, from there, you can start also to use that to create your brand. Absolutely. It's such a great idea. And in your book, Greg, it's actually on page 22 in the paperback because I tell a lot of my clients, uh, you need to read this book and do the do this exercise because it will change your career. So it's really, really good suggestions on the kinds of questions to start thinking about. Um, and I think I think for a lot of people, they make an, an impression on somebody and it never changes. So they, you know, maybe a bad impression or it didn't, something didn't work out in a meeting or something at work. And 
how do you how do you begin to shift that in the pe- other people's mind in the company? Mm. Um, you know, it is really difficult because first impressions can be lasting impressions unless the person making the impression is really open to changing their mind. Mm-hmm. Um, let me start by saying that it takes one one thousandth of a second before your audience begins to click off judgments about you. Mm-hmm. First impressions can be made in seven seconds. If your audience is not sure how they feel about you, they take the next 30 to 60 seconds going through what I call laundry list in their head, trying to figure out. And they say, well, you know, and they're looking at you physically, vocally. Um, So what I tell my audiences is that you have to be very, very careful about the impression that you want to give off. And often we don't think enough about that. We don't think enough about our brand, how we come across, which is why a self-scan, an inventory, asking other people is so crucial. I mean, Sabrina, how do we know if we don't do that self-reflection or we don't ask other people? I have had so many clients who have been told after working with someone for a year or two that, you know, God, Jim, I really didn't like you at the beginning. You were such a loud, boorish, self-aggrandizing guy. And now that I've gotten to know you, you know, I really like you. Well, Maybe Jim didn't know that there were certain things in his behavior that gave off that impression, right? So he didn't have the opportunity to change that. So I really tell people that they must focus in on how do they want to show up, right? Um, And in terms of changing people's opinions, I think... The one of the best ways is to change the behavior uh-huh. <laughs> that was present in that first impression and to keep doing that. Um, so, for example, if you were in a meeting and you kept interrupting someone, um, absolutely apologize to the person you were in the meeting with and then shut up. Don't interrupt again in subsequent meetings. That's what what I would tell people. Beautiful. And what's the best way to stay visible when you're working remotely? You have a great story in your book about a man that uh, all of a sudden realized he'd been left out of a really important meeting. And uh, so it was a really big issue that he didn't have information he needed So how do you deal with that when you're remote, like so many people are nowadays? Yeah. You know, Sabrina, it's so funny. When I wrote that book, I had several corporate clients who did not want people 
to work at home a day a week, two days a week. That was verboten. And now, of course, we're so used to it. But being visible, I believe, is harder now that we are not all in the office together right? on a really regular basis. Although I do know some of the corporations I'm working with are asking people to come back certain days of the week. Mm-hmm. So we don't have that immediate access to our colleagues and bosses that we had where you could just pop into their office or see them at, in the cafeteria or at the water cooler or in the hall. So it takes more effort to connect now. We often schedule our meetings back to back. So the spontaneity isn't there as we walk into a meeting or leave a meeting. But just because you're out of sight doesn't mean that you have to be invisible. You can drop a short email or text your boss or colleagues telling them about a project and how it's going, a success you're having with it, um, a compliment, again, back to your brag bag that you've gotten. Um, Another thing you can do is to bring up something that you're excited about that you and your team accomplished at a meeting, you know, before um, the meeting starts. I would suggest not doing this at every meeting because then you'll probably be a pain and be known mm-hmm. as a bragger. But intermittently, you know, I, I'm so excited. I finally got Mr. Smith on the phone and we scheduled a time after six months for us to talk about this account. Um, and I would also suggest to leaders that they initiate what I call a brag round where everyone in the group talks about one thing that they've had a success with or an obstacle they've overcome um, over the week or two weeks. And then everybody gets to share and everybody gets to be on the same page about what the other colleague is doing. I really like that. I was going to ask you uh, what leaders could do to help, what they could do to be better bosses. And I love that because I think a lot of times people don't ever have an opportunity to say, hey, I had a success here. Right. And and the thing that I tell people, because after 20 years since I wrote Bragg, so we're celebrating our 20th anniversary, which I'm thrilled about, mm-hmm. but people still say to me, but Peggy, my boss should know what I'm doing. He is my boss after all. And then I just start to laugh. I say, well, that would be really nice. But it ain't happening. Your boss has so much on her mind and does not have the bandwidth to know everything that you are doing. So you need to keep her abreast of what it is that you're up to. That's beautiful. And what a a great way for us to end this conversation today. I really, really appreciate you being on the show. And it's been so much fun. I've loved it, Sabrina. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. You're welcome. Wait, keep listening. 
If you like this show and want to learn more on how to be a transformational leader, I have a special offer for you and a gift in just a moment. Thanks for following me on LinkedIn where you can get more leadership tips from me. And also, I really appreciate you sharing, liking, and giving me a review in Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform. Remember, if you consider yourself a current or future high-potential executive that wants to have influence, impact, and radically increase your income, I invite you to reach out to me on my contact page on womensleadershipsuccess.com so we can connect. Lastly, be sure and check out my Action for Traction for this episode in the show notes at womensleadershipsuccess.com. You will get three easy but powerful steps you can take immediately, plus some downloadable articles and videos based on this interview to help you truly be a transformational leader. Bye for now. See you soon. Thank you for joining your host, Sabrina Brahm, on another Women's Leadership Podcast. If you have questions or comments, you can email her at sabrina at sabrinabrahm.com. Since 1989, Sabrina and her team have helped hundreds of women managers, business leaders, and entrepreneurs with valuable trainings, articles, books, and executive coaching. For additional tips, interviews, and free access to Great Leaders Today mini-course, visit www.womensleadershipsuccess.com.